So this evening I'd like to share with you some reflections on metta. Uh, this beautiful quality in our in our heart, in our mind, which is a concern for the welfare of beings. Yeah, caring Maybe you have your own way of of understanding this. Um, How you name that, how you recognize that, how you uh, perhaps cultivate that in your life and in your practice. Um, So in this talk, what I would like to try and do is just touch on a few actually different ways that it can be cultivated and attuned to, and recognized, and made much of, and, you know, for for our benefit, for the benefit of others, and that there is not one way of doing that, and the formal practice that many of us know with the phrases is, is kind of part of that, and, and some of what I might say may be taken as a reflection on that, or a, an enrichment of it, or you know, just something to encourage us in, in that particular practice. Mm, I was I was reflecting, you know, I I often teach on this, and <laughs> I don't, I won't spend too long on why, because I actually part of what I want to do is to to invite you to to reflect on this theme, this quality, and. Uh, why it might be important for you. Um, what What is its uh, value and importance and, and why is it highlighted so much by teachers and by the Buddha? And, and, and you know, we can sit in retreat after retreat with a talk after talk, you know. <laughs> so this is good stuff, you know. Should, you know, cultivate this. But do we really understand do we really understand for ourselves, you know? It's so interesting to me how, you know, one of the great challenges, the gifts of, of preparing a talk, as some of you know, you know, you teach, and you have to really think about it. <laughs> like, what, what do I mean? What, 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 does, what do I understand? What is meant here? And of course, as you all know, it's an unfolding, it's a kind of evolving understanding, both terms of you know the teachings and, and, and what we you know what we understand in our experience so um, that's a, certainly the case for me um, and perhaps some kind of reflection and study is is a really helpful way of sort of freshening up our sense of a particular theme or topic you know sometimes like metta that um, helps us to uh, be be clear about yeah about its its benefits its its power its um, yeah its importance um, yeah I was thinking you know so I don't know some of you know I I have this practice when I come in usually I think maybe I forget sometimes that before speaking in the hall I I, I, I like to look around at everybody. She was wondering why I was looking. I was just 
I like to to look at each of you, um, and it's interesting for me. That's a little meta practice, you know. I just it helps me. I feel connected a little more with you, and I feel a sense of caring for each of you, and the wish that our time together this evening be of benefit to you. To you, and part of why I do this is because I there's anxiety you know, about giving the talk. So what I've found is the most helpful thing is this kind of like looking and seeing, seeing you and sending and feeling like, oh, you know, you don't look angry with me yet, you know. (laughs) Maybe later, but not now, you know. So that's a good start. (laughs) Uh, Can you go downhill from there? No, not at all. So just... You know, as a small little example of how, you know, we can find um, little ways, you know, that address our own psychology and our own little predicaments and uh, bring that that creativity and and that strength. And it's something very natural, isn't it? I mean, I don't know, this is something that, you know, if I crank out some meta, you know, like... Say production line, kind of, you know, and there it is, kind of poof in the boxes, off it goes. Um, and sometimes it can feel a bit like that, maybe. Um, but my sense is, and I don't, I don't know what your sense of this is, but it feels like, like somehow a natural phenomenon in there somewhere. You know, it's, it's actually like breathing or. Is something, but it gets obstructed and covered and blocked and forgotten, and yeah, and kind of other things override and 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 my, you know, maybe you see this in your own practice. That actually, any kind of skillful practice, it's like it kind of, oh yeah, you know, it happens naturally. There's somehow heart is more open or or you know, able to connect with, with others and ourselves with a sense of care. So I also think it's, you know, we can intentionally cultivate, but we can also recognize, actually, mm, yeah, that practice does um, kind of sort of uncover this. Yeah, so, mm, let's see. So... Again, what some questions that sometimes I've worked with where I really reflect on my life, you know, could, or you could be, could be just your day here on retreat or this last week or take some time and just consider um, something like what, uh, how, how do I, how, how have I recognized the presence and activity of kindness in my life? How, how have I known that? And some or today, you know, something might come to mind. A little, oh, yesterday, you know, that happens. I was going to say something that happened to me, but no, I'll leave a gap for you. Yeah, mm, a small moment. Oh yeah, well, you know, maybe big moments where somehow someone's kindness has, you know, really made a significant difference in a very difficult situation, you know. So I don't want to spend too much time with this, but as a practice, again, as a reflection to kind of reinforce the sense of the 
the importance of it. Sometimes I think about, we think about times in your life or moments, you know, sometimes again on retreat, you know, moments where you just feel really desolate and down on yourself and cross with everybody else and just this like, you know, just, there's no, just kindness has just been shoved out of the way. It's like, ugh, you know, just ugh, whatever that, whoever that is. <laughs> I think of suddenly is that figure from the Christmas Carol, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, everybody's just, ah, you know. everything's wrong, everyone's bad. I, I can feel like that sometimes. <laughs> and so um, thinking about also in a more serious way, maybe what happens in our hearts, in our lives, and certainly in the world when then kindness, care, concern for the well-being of others is absent. No, that's. Do you see? I don't know what that does for you, but for me, in a moment, I'm thinking of war and, you know, and maybe somewhere like this, we just take for granted that there's kindness here, that people are observing the precepts, that there is, you know, an atmosphere, at least, you know, relative safety and welcome. And so. Yeah, what what that feels like when when that's not there, or or maybe sometimes when, you know, it's here but we don't feel it, which is also, of course, part of the practice. I also want to speak about about really noticing noticing it when it's there. But yeah, so just just you know, for now, later, or ever, just thinking about that, the importance of it, and seeing that, if you like, in your own life. Um, yeah. So, um, perhaps an, another way, so reflecting. Secondly, um, studying. Studying. You know, thinking, reading. Uh, we don't do maybe so much of it on a retreat like this, but you know, as, as you know, to, to study a piece of text, to perhaps learn it by heart, to, you know, the way we can be touched by hearing a talk, you know, which is a form of study, isn't it, where you're, you're hearing and you're kind of, on one level, tuning into the, um, the heart level of it, you know, there's the ideas and the techniques, and then there's this, there's something else, isn't it, that, that you're tuning into sort of what you might call the spirit of metta. Well, that's not a very Buddhist sort of word, but you know, something that you can you kinda know but it's hard to put into words. So I wanted to share a couple of texts from the Buddha that I thought, you know, these would make worthy um, subjects of study. And again, as I was just saying, it's like a way where you maybe you take one very short piece of text and you just you stay with it for I don't know I've, I've done it with some things for weeks and weeks you know you just you keep you walk around with it you live with it you 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 eat with it you know you you kind of reflect on it and I found that very very powerful at times um, so I I'll share this. this. is the very beginning of the um, Dhammapada. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. Dhammapada. The Dhamma. 
Pada. Anyway, does, any, does, that, does anybody know? Anyway, you know what I mean. It's that one, that one. <laughs> so mind is the forerunner of all actions. All deeds are led by mind, created by mind. If one speaks or acts with a corrupt mind, suffering follows as the wheel follows the hoof of an ox pulling a cart. Mind is the forerunner for all actions. All deeds are led by mind, created by mind. If one speaks or acts with a serene mind, happiness follows as surely as one's shadow. He abused me, mistreated me, defeated me, robbed me. Harboring such thoughts keeps hatred alive. He abused me, mistreated me, defeated me, robbed me. Releasing such thoughts banishes hatred for all time. Animosity does not eradicate animosity. Only by loving kindness is animosity dissolved. This law is ancient and eternal. Yeah. So, it's a lifetime study, right? So, yeah. So, So, reflecting, um, studying, and um, I want to say just a little bit about um, an aspect of developing phrases. So if you're doing formal meta practice with phrases, I think there's a, a reflective aspect of that that can be very uh, important, very helpful, and that is that you go, you, you, you begin to look for, or you, uh, hmm, how can I put this, you, you go to the, the soil that the, the phrases are going to grow from, you, you, you go into, in a way, like a deeper reflection about what do you, like what do you authentically, honestly want for your life and for others, you know, what's the deeper, kind of uh, wholesome desire that there's something my sense is that when we can find that for ourselves what we and sometimes there's layers and layers to kind of go through to get there but what I really wish for myself and other people and to be in touch with that then phrases and words kind of you know they 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 will be connected with that, relevant with that. And the, the power of the practices and the effect of it is supported because the words are actually connected with, like, as I'm talking, I guess I'm trying to kind of feel that. Of, it feels like it's like down in your belly. You know, it's like down in the earth. It's, it's like that. And you can, from that place, you can speak, you can 
you can, um, you know, it's like you can keep track of your metta intention or your through the storm of anxiety, the storm of rage, the storms of the world, right? If it's the storms of your own mind, you know, and the confusions. I think sometimes the reason why I love and value metta and this practice and so much is because I think we are so deluded so much of the time. <laughs> I think, well, you know. <laughs> okay, you can disagree, but, uh, you know. And we don't know. We're really not, really not knowing exactly what's going on, are we? A lot of the time. Don't we know who we are, who the other person is, what's needed, what's really going on, what's right, what's wrong? You know, uh, um, so what do you do? So for me, this is my, my what do you call it, like a backstop or something. Like, it's, it's my, okay, if in doubt, you know, go to kind intention. Go to, go to metta and, and, and that's, you know, and the restraint, the non-harming, you know, which once or twice in my life I have been, you know, full of rage and tempted to do or say something extremely unskillful and it's like the metta is down there in your belly, in your, you know, right, and it has that strength and from that, which is a, you know, that's a training, it's like then this, the, 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 the strength to restrain, to refrain, because those are powerful energies, aren't they? And uh, so this practice has guts. I thought sometimes it's not all pink and fluffy, you know. Nothing wrong with pink and fluffy. I like pink and fluffy, but, you know, it's like sometimes it's got to have guts, isn't it? Strength. And uh, sometimes we have to do and say difficult things that, that, you know, we know people won't like. And to being able to do that with, with, with and from kindness, I think it takes this sort of grounded, rooted kind of, and, and something that's, you know, really in there. I, f- I feel very fortunate. I think one of the places I kind of got this cultivated in me was through having a Quaker education. If any of you know the Quakers, the Religious Society of Friends, very, a lot of very similar values to perhaps what, I don't know, metta. And, and, and there was this teaching of uh, the, the founder, George Fox, to uh, encourage uh, us Quakers, whoever, to walk through the world cheerfully looking for that of God in everyone. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> and that really, you know, as a teenager, I thought, hmm, that sounds good. Yeah, I am. okay. Not that I really knew what God was, and I still still don't. But somehow even I could kind of, you know, in my, my bracket that, and maybe you can bracket it, or, you know, you may have that faith background, and in, in, so you can use that language. But something about that, that training to, to look to see the good in people, I, I mean, I don't do it all the time, and I don't do it perfectly. And you know, it's like it's work in progress. But that sense of something that feels like a good thing to do, you know, when is that ever not relevant? 
Because even if there's something very difficult happening, somehow to have a sense of the person's, there's still there's some that of God in there, you know. Maybe all of this is particularly relevant to, you know, well, what we face in our own hearts and at times and also what we face in the world. We have to dig deep and go to earth with our care, I think. Perhaps one other thing I wanted to say about the phrase is, I hope this isn't all too random. I don't think, I hope it's not, but I was going to try not to apologize during this talk. Mehmet, I am not going to apologize. Right, onward. Um, I, I'm very, I was recently really noticing how certain phrases maybe attract me or resonate for me and so you could reflect on what that might be for you and I just, I realized that one of the reasons why I might be attracted to certain phrases either, f- f- you know, wishing myself well or wishing others is that they counteract or contradict some kind of unhelpful belief I have about myself or others. So I found this very interesting that here we are in the middle of meta practice with totally in right view territory. So this is a powerful practice that exposes wrong view and facilitates and strengthens right view. For example, this phrase I learned from Ajahn Suchito, you know, um, well, I varied it slightly, but it's it's okay. It's like I may I feel completely loved and accepted, just as I am, right now. Really, wow! <laughs> Isn't that pretty radical? <laughs> so, for some of us, perhaps with the conditioning, not everybody. If you're very fortunate, if you don't. That I, you know, that, that say the conditioning to feel completely unloved or partly loved or loved, you know, only if you do this and you don't do that. Or accepted, you know, same, very conditional or what we've, in, what we've absorbed of feeling unaccepted, unwelcome, unacceptable, unlovable, slam, lock, end of story. Yeah? Anybody else got some of that locked away? And just as I am, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> it's got to be a lot better before I accept it just as I am. Who do you think, what are you, what are you talking about, you know? Um, right now. Oh. Okay, so this body... How does it feel right now? What's happening for you right now? So, so much in us, isn't it? Aversion, not good enough, not acceptable. Really, that sensation shouldn't be there. I really should have got rid of that one by now. What is it doing there again? (laughs) Get it right in the end. Uh, right now, 
Oh yeah, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I'll accept this, I'll take this. And then it changes, right? Oh no, I've lost it. I was completely lovable and acceptable and now I'm not. (laughs) God, I've got it wrong again. Lost it again. So this is pointing, isn't it? Maybe you all have a sense of this, that this, the unconditional quality of metta is profound and far-reaching and counter kind of what you know really how can that be and that I have a strong sense that that's really true but you know it's maybe different for each of you and that somehow with our own you know our own hearts and minds and the the amount of healing that that the amount of acceptance or amount we don't accept and then with other people same thing isn't it may I mean, it's beautiful turned out towards other people. Like, may you, may you feel completely loved and accepted just as you are right now. And if you don't, that's fine. (laughs) So there's always a, can you, it's like, it's like infinitely inclusive. There's nothing, 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 nothing that has to be left outside. I think this is another thing that's, that's, I don't know, become more and more apparent to me. So anyway, just something about the capacity of this practice to, to uproot our, our, our wrong views about ourselves and other, ourselves and others. So I also wanted to include a little bit on um, stories and poems. Um, This may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I'm not (laughs) apologising. Onward. Um, But again, in the spirit of this, different ways that that metta, or that, that that can be cultivated, attuned to, understood... Sometimes, for some of us, I think the language of story, or the form of story and, and, and poetry, it, it somehow sp- seems to speak more directly to the heart, to the chitta, to the, you know, or if you like, whatever you want to call it, this resonant field of perceptions and feelings, and that, that, the, that somehow story can touch the heart or poetry can touch the heart in a way that you know ideas and you're kind because it'll be good for you and then there'll be good results so tick you know that some people's minds maybe work like that so great um but maybe there's uh, other layers and levels and ways that yeah so i wanted to tell you one fairly short story and read you one poem so I thought, what a story. To, anyway, I'm going to share this one. I heard it a li- little while ago, and it, it, it just really, I found it very touching and very evocative of, of metta and that quality and that spirit. Um, so it was um, something that actually happened, and if you know this story and you've got it more accurate than me, 
So I'm not, apolog- not going to apologise. So um, talk to me about it later. Right, okay. <laughs> um, so I, somebody told me there was a whale in a lot of distress in uh, the bay uh, near San Francisco. I think near, yeah, there. And <laughs> let's not try and be more detailed because I, I can't. Um, and this whale had got itself caught up and tangled up in um, fish, fishing nets. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was probably going to die because it was all bound up. And so I think five divers went into the water with um, some kind of knife or, you know, scissors or something like that. And they approached the whale and this huge, what are they, 40-foot creatures, you know, ginormous things and beings rather than things. Um, and they, these divers gradually, patiently went clipping away at the net and the, the whale just stayed very quiet, very, very still and allowed these divers to kind of you know, go around and cut them and gradually, gently pull pull the net across. Yeah, it's like, I wondered if it would get me again, and it is. And when they had finished, and they all, the divers kind of pulled back a little bit, you know, it's, it's amazing the whale had been, you know, so, hadn't done anything to push them away or anything. Then the whale just swam gently around and to each diver and just looked at the diver and then moved on to the rest of them and then swam away. Yeah, I don't know about you, but again, it doesn't have to, but for me, that's there's so much in there and it speaks directly to the heart. So, um, the poem I want to share is probably very familiar to to a lot of you. It's a poem I met quite, I don't know when, probably in a Dharma talk sometime years ago. And um, anyway, I'll I'll read it. And then I would just, I mean, for me, there's been a lot of teaching in this poem, but may not, again, not for you, but again, it's different things for different people. Um, Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body Love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. 
Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. You do not have to be good. The burden of, of images and expectations and yeah. Do not have to be that. It's one of its messages to me, anyway. And again, we find our own, we feel, find, and hear our own, yeah, the teaching that's meant for us. So, um, the other thing for me in this is a sense of kinship kinship, that metta is about kinship, we are kin, you know, we are family, we are, um, we belong, right, it's, yeah, we belong. (laughs) So that quality of metta which is, which is about connection, oneness, So, maybe I'll continue with another thing, slightly different direction, um, different angle. Um, Noticing and remembering, noticing, you know, in our day here, as I was saying earlier, maybe remembering, remembering and being able to take in the good from that, being able to uh, absorb and let the goodness nourish our hearts. Yes, opening to that. Um, And I wanted to um, share a little bit from um, Rick Hansen's book on the Buddha brain. So it's a kind of neurological understandings of, of, of uh, how, how this practice and how, uh, how what can help us to, um, when, we, when we notice or when we remember kindness, when we feel it, how we can help it to actually... <sighs> Breathing it in, letting it, letting it in, letting it soak into the body, soak into the being, right? Just kind of 
letting that, letting that sort of nourish us. And I won't read too much, but it's like it's to do with this negativity bias you're probably aware of that there's a tendency for us to be Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive, right? You've heard of that. So just, you know, the tendency then so that negative experiences kind of just seem to register more strongly and stick and we think about them. Like, and then there's all this wonderful stuff happening, kindness and generosity and things people have done and all of that, the, 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 what's happening now and the memories. And, the, and I was thinking earlier when I was preparing for this talk, I was thinking I can easily tell the story of my life as a series of horrible tragedies and dreadful accidents. <laughs> It's like it wouldn't be hard, and then, and then at a certain point, I thought, God, I could, I could actually also tell the story of my life as a whole series of amazing, amazing acts of kindness. And I thought, well, actually, I could, I could do that. I could tell it that way. And I think, you know, that's part of what this is pointing to. That we actually have to kind of like lean that way. So I wanted to, um, so, so, so no, notice he's giving you three steps. I was like that, three steps, that's not too many. Maybe remember them, I don't know. Noticing, so as he says, turning positive facts into positive experiences. Yeah, good things happening, but we don't notice. So, so much you can notice of that here on, on retreat. Ah. Uh, he said it's like sitting down to a banquet don't just look at it, dig in so secondly, savour and, and this is again I won't go into the neurological thing because I don't, I don't really understand it but anyway, it's really good it's really, it's really helpful because he says Rick says so right <clears throat> So savor the experiences, say you're remembering or you're just enjoying a moment of kindness or, you know, generosity or something. It's like, or you're remembering it. You know. Savor the experience, it's delicious. Make it last by staying with it for five, ten, even twenty seconds. Don't let your attention skitter off. So, so, so apparently... The longer you hold it in awareness, the more emotionally stimulating that is. Then more neurons fire and thus wire together and stronger the, is the, the trace in memory, right? <laughs> but that's, you know, and anyway, so let's go on to number three. So you're, you're, you're noticing and then you're savoring. And then... The last one is absorbing, absorbing. So the interesting thing about this, a real connection here with metta as a samadhi practice, as a concentrate, as a, a very, one, one very good doorway into samadhi potentially. So it's like imagining that the, the warmth or the whatever feeling is there is soaks, soaks into you like a sponge, like water into a sponge or... Uh, yeah, so relaxing the body. <sighs> mm, I'm doing it now because I feel 
some kindness in the room. <laughs> so enjoying that and feeling absorbing, absorbing the experience. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, it's in his book, um, Buddha's Brain. Lots of good stuff in here. Very, very relevant to the cultivation of metta. Very helpful. And so, um, yeah, this this kind of leads maybe into maybe the last piece I'll share. There's mm, suffusing, suffusing, radiating, suffusing. So the way the Buddha talks about uh, metta as a meditation practice in the early suttas, you, maybe you know, is it's very much about um, this sense of uh, pervading, suffusing the whole body, whole being, yeah? So something you might just explore. Maybe you know it, you, you know, you, maybe you know it somewhat, but again, and there's such healing, I think there's such healing in this. And, and of course, it's, it's freeing, it's purifying, it's, it's, doing, it's doing a lot when we can kind of open our, more of our being to this, to this experience, to this intentionality. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to... Hmm. I mean, I think it really is something to explore and experiment for yourself. Um, so I'd like to read um, the part of the uh, teaching on the generating or pervading loving kindness. And again, as I, many of you know, devotee of Ajahn Suchito, I listen to him because he's a bit of a Pali scholar. I don't know if he'd say that, but he knows a bit about the Pali, you know, the language, very close to the language the Buddha taught. And I listened to him in a talk tease out some of the meanings and the resonances and the kind of etymologies of some of these words in the Pali that have been translated into English. And so I did another translation as part of an exercise which I think is another way of maybe cultivating this quality is to, and, and kind of finding kind of your own expression, again, as we do with the phrases in the uh, formal practice. So um, I just want to share this with you, and then maybe we'll actually just practice a little together before we finish. So this is the Buddha. Abide, pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with goodwill. Likewise the second likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above, below, around and everywhere, and to all as to yourself, abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with goodwill, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. And now I'd just like to share, without apologizing, my little riff on that. <laughs> Let us make our minds shine with benevolence. Let it fill our minds, bodies, 
softening and releasing all that hinders and obscures. Let us joyfully feel an abundance of benevolence, allowing its all-embracing nature to free us from all suffering, bringing us all home to the formless field of blessing. So, um, maybe, maybe that's enough. I, uh, so, um, I off- offer these reflections with the hope that they've some benefit, some help, and may they um, encourage us to uh, find and know this field of blessing that is metta for our own benefit and the benefit of all beings. So let's just, let's just before we chant the reflection on the sharing of blessings, let's just spend two or three minutes together and yeah, feel free to shift your posture. Let's just generate some kindness, some love and care for ourselves and for everybody here and for all beings in whatever way you wish.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.